Not Bitter, Just Better, the all-new Everton podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr Johnny Seven here as always, but this week, no Mark Mack. He's gone on his jolly somewhere. So uh, I think the Arsenal game, which I'll get to in a sec, has got a little bit too much for him. So he's uh, swanned off somewhere and left me to do this on my own. Can have all the usual bits and bobs, Everton news of the week, uh, all your social media thoughts. I put some questions out over the past couple of days, and so we've got lots of interesting feedback there. And a look ahead to the Cardiff game coming up at the weekend. So first off. We'll have to start with, uh, well, we mentioned last week this could be the happiest podcast of uh, of the season so far, or the most depressing, and possibly rivaling the Anfield derby, uh, it possibly will be the most depressing, because it wasn't a good weekend to be a blue, unfortunately. Um, team news came out, so let's start there as we always do, and the debate, well, I don't think it was a Debate really. We we all thought Joel would start in goal, even though the majority of us hoped Tim Howard might um, might get the nod. Unfortunately, well, yeah, I can say that. Unfortunately, Joel started in goal. Back four: Baines, Coleman, Distan, and Stones kept his place. Barry and McCarthy, of course, in midfield. Then Pinar, Barkley, Morales, and Lukaku. So, on paper, uh, fairly. Good going forward there, uh, so pretty strong lineup. I think the only uh, contentious issue for the lineup really was maybe maybe Pienaar for Osman. I think you know, they both got their uh, fans and detractors really, and uh, whether Delafeo would start and obviously whether Alcaraz would come in for Stones, and the, the main one which I've already mentioned, Joel, in for Howard. Arsenal's lineup looked pretty strong, apart from they went with Yaya Sonogo up front and no Giroud. The rest, though, I think they went, you know, pretty much full strength. We kind of uh, debated last week whether they might uh, might rest Sanya and and Gibbs, and um, but they had Thomas Vermaelen come back in, who's by no means, uh, you know, a rookie in centre back. He's a club captain. They had him come back in. They kept with Sanya. They kept with Gibbs. They had Arteta. They had. Uh, Cazorla, I mean, they just they had strength all over, really. And they were the team who started off better. And it wasn't long, Neymar didn't mention there in the lineup before uh, the much maligned, would you say? Midfielder, their record signing, 41 million, and a lot of people have started to debate whether it was worth it. But he popped up after just a few minutes. And Mesut Ozil, seven minutes it took him to. Put Arsenal 1-0 up after a bit of a slip, untimely slip from McCarthy closing down. I think I think it might have been Cazorla and he put the ball through and a great first-time finish from Ozil, unfortunately. Uh, but we bounced back well. Good bit of uh, good bit of passing, good bit of possession, uh, lots of good, solid uh, defensive blocks, really. I mean, uh, we, we, we just generally look like we were could get back into the game, which uh, just after the half hour mark, uh, Barkley picked the ball up deep in our own half, ran the full length of the pitch, 
practically. And it looked like he was just going to run out of steam a little bit, but he managed to put a great ball in to Kevin Morales at the far post. And Morales somehow managed to scuff it, but uh, did enough to send the goalie to the deck. Lukaku, one touch on the knee, and knocks it home from about a yard. So uh, the Blues back on level terms. We had one or two little attacking spells of possession, but I think Arsenal had a lot more in the way of attacking, really. Uh, the two notable points of conversation, really, uh, worth discussing on the first half. One was a little bit of a challenge where uh, Gareth Barry seemed to jump into Arteta. Well, that's how the referee seemed to, uh, to judge it. And Arteta managed to get his elbow up and um, put it right on Gareth Barry's head, so and he managed to escape a book. I mean, we've had players sent off for that before, you know, with their arms up. But he was going from a standing position, getting his arms up for momentum. You know, did he mean it? I don't know. It's difficult to tell. Uh, the other one was uh, Joel's inability to catch the ball, or whether it was an inability or just his his choice. To punch every single cross or uh, or shot, you know, it seems that he could uh, take a couple of crosses or take a couple of shots, but instead he chose to punch them or knock them over the bar or just knock them out. I mean, to be fair to him, he's getting distance on them, but I think from from um, from a fan's point of view, it just it didn't leave you with any confidence in him at all, uh, and maybe the back four. The team in general just uh, felt the same way. Anyway, we go into half-time, one all. As I say, uh, Arsenal had the better chances, really, the better efforts. We had the goal. I think we had a bit of a half-effort from Morales, who slipped and it turned into a little bit of a back uh, back pass to Fabianski in the Arsenal goal. Um, No changes at the break. So we come out, hopefully raring to go. As the second half gets underway... Um, it was fairly end-to-end without being any real clear-cut chances, except uh, there was a bit of a period in uh, after about 10 minutes in, 56th, 57th minute, and that 10 minutes after that uh, defined the whole game, really. Uh, turned the game on its head. Uh, good little interplay, a uh, little bit of interplay uh, from the Blues going up. Little cross into the centre. And it comes to Barkley, who's just around the penalty area. He swivels a little bit. It's the ball strong, on a strong foot, I think it was. But he whips it too far wide and just goes just whistling past the post. Great opportunity to put us 2-1 up. And that would be our best chance of the game, unfortunately. So after that, it all went slowly downhill. So that was about the 57th minute. 61st minute was a bit of a key, another key moment. Sonogo goes off for Arsenal for Giroud, and Sonogo did absolute zero when he was on. Uh, Giroud, uh, well, as you'll see in a bit, had more than his uh, fair share of involvement. There was a little period here where, I'm not sure if it was before the the goal or before the chance, when uh, Arteta went down after a challenge with Seamus Coleman and Clattenburg. Uh, was waving play on. It's unlikely for, uh, for him to do us any favours, but he was waving play on, and the ball got played over onto the left, and um, 
it was one of those awkward situations. Do you knock the ball out of play? Uh, Arteta, he got caught, but you know he, he's like he, he's down, like and he's like he's seriously injured. Baines knocks the ball out, and you know so we can get treatment. Uh, Arteta must have forgot that little moment a little bit later on. Uh, so Giroud's on the pitch five minutes, and then there's a little bit of Arsenal play down the right. Oxley Chamberlain gets the ball and uh, makes it to the byline, uh, and Gareth Barry goes across the challenge. And what follows is, is a little bit, a bit, little bit of uh, bad fortune and a little bit of uh, bad, uh, bad choices from Barry. Really, a little bit of a ricochet. And Oxlade Chamberlain uh, goes past Barry, and Barry rather stupidly leaves his left leg out, and um, the ox goes over him, unfortunately. And Clattenburg has no choice but to award the Blues a penalty. And after the game, I believe uh, Roberto came out and said that he thought this was a bit of a soft penalty. I think it was soft by us conceding it, but I, I thought it was a clear-cut penalty, he definitely caught him and it wasn't one of those that he just left his leg in there to go over, he, he brought him down, unfortunately and um, Arsenal have a great opportunity to make it 2-1 after we had an opportunity and spend our chance would they take theirs uh, well, up steps Arteta and uh, calm as you like, puts the ball into the bottom left-hand corner sending uh, Joel the wrong way fortunately for Everton Clattenburg again or like him to do us any favours, spots that uh, Giroud had uh, taken a couple of steps into the box before Arteta took the penalty and books Giroud for encroachment and orders Arteta to take the penalty again. And um, so up steps Mikel again, calm as you like, puts it in the uh, in the other the other side this time. Joel goes the right way, but this time instead of going low, he goes a little bit higher and. Great penalty, uh, again, unfortunately for us. So, I, I, there's been a lot of criticism up for Arteta over this and uh, about the way he celebrated. And he, he didn't kiss the badge, but he was holding the Arsenal badge and he went over to the fans and, you know, he, and he's like looking really, well, made up for himself, let's just say. I thought his first celebration from the first time he put the ball in was a little bit more respectful, a little bit more subdued. Uh, maybe it's just because I think Giroud caught him to celebrate because he was so close in the penalty box. Uh, maybe it, it was an intentional thing, but the second one, he, you know, he really did celebrate. And as, as I said, he received a lot of criticism. A lot of uh, a lot of Blues have washed their hands of him since then. Let's say, but uh, the important thing puts Arsenal two one up, and then uh, we're chasing the game. And I don't know what happened. There was a couple of changes. Osman and McGeady on for Pinar and Morales. I thought Morales was a little bit unfortunate to be, uh, to go off. He wasn't involved as he could have been, but I don't think um, I don't think many were to be honest. I thought Pinar, yeah, he had another one of those disappointing games where whenever he receives the ball around the box, he just doesn't seem to know what to do with it anymore. Uh, he used to have that real uh, incisive play where he could pick out a pass, a through ball or a decent cross or bring others into play and he just looked clueless today on, on, on Saturday unfortunately I, I seem to be using that word unfortunately a lot but it's, uh, it, seems, it seems fitting so I'm sorry if you're getting sick of it uh, so Osman on the pitch 
and he must have forgot for a little while because uh, I, I don't know whether he was meant to be picking up but the third goal Arsenal scored was by far the most disappointing uh, from from my point of view. I, I just think we could have done so much more to stop it. Uh, again, a nice little bit of play down the Arsenal right-hand side. And it, it comes to Sanya, who ends up with the ball. And he has a, he's got about, uh, in the Everton box, he's got about 10 yards of space in the Everton box. And then... Osman seems to, I don't know whether he realises he's the one who's meant to be marking him or realises that nobody else is marking him, so he goes to close him down, but he's drifted in anyway, and he has he has time to pick out Giroud, and he just puts it on a plate for Giroud, excellent first-time finish with his left foot, sends Joel the wrong way uh, from the edge of the six-yard box. I just, I, I can't, for the life of me, work out how he had so much space. It's not like we didn't have anyone back. It's just he completely lost his marker. Again, I'm not sure whether Osman was meant to be marking him or whether Baines was meant to be uh, picking up that run, but nobody did. And as I said, he put it on a, put it on a plate for Giroud. So Giroud did more in about five minutes than Sunogo did in well over an hour. Uh, so again, we're chasing the game. Bring Delafeo on in the 84th minute, take Barkley off, and didn't really have much involvement, Delafeo, except for one little bit, which was uh, not long after coming on. In fact, a minute after coming on, he gets the ball on our right wing, tries a little half hearted dribble, gets the ball robbed off him. Uh, Arsenal, great break, Riziki down the right, I think uh, he, he puts it into Ozil. And Ozil lays it off on the edge of the box to uh, Giroud, who gets his second uh, in, in about 10 minutes. Uh, Joel was kind of following the play a little bit, so he, he pretty much helpful, helpless in the Everton goal. So 4-1, and it's just it was hard, you know hard to hard to believe how that scoreline happened. 4-1, and you know Arsenal had a few chances, but it, that sounds like such a battering and. In reality, it wasn't really a battering. So, yeah, I think Arsenal had a few more chances. Another effort for, from Giroud, who could have had a Zatrick, but yeah, he put it just wide. Uh, and Everton don't really have much else to say. No other response, really. We're just, uh, I think everyone was a little bit shell shocked. The fans, the players, Roberto, I think even the commentary team were a little bit bewildered how that ended up a 4 1. But that's how we finished, 4-1 to Arsenal. Everton out the cup. Uh, Arsenal going on to Wembley. And it was just absolutely, absolutely gutting. There's a lot of uh, fallout afterwards, a lot of lot of backlash, really. Uh, like Loads of Everton players being made scapegoats for the performance and the result. Joel being the main one. It's like, if, if Tim Howard would have played, we wouldn't have got B4-1. And I don't... I don't completely understand that um, obviously you know if if we've got a little bit more confidence in Howard then the defenders might react a little bit better but he wasn't to fault for any of the goals in particular he just didn't look particularly confident in goal um, a few people saying Barry was stupid for the penalty and you know he, he's done it too many times I think that's a little bit of a knee jerk Barry's been quality for us uh, he's made the odd mistake here and there but more Often than not, like in particular for you know for the Everton goal, he was the one who made the block, a uh, great block. 
which went, which fell to Barkley and Barkley broke away and um, which led to the Everton goal, which led to Lukaku's goal. So, you know, Barry being a scapegoat, I can't see it. Pinar going missing again. Uh, that was another one. Some, a few people had a few words to say about Stones, and I get I can't see that either. I thought Stones played. I thought Stones played as well as anyone else, really. As for man of the match, I mean that one is difficult because uh, there, there were a, a lot of uh, players who weren't particularly uh, on song. It's not like there were really really poor performances. It was just. One of them, <laughs> you know, a four-one four, defeat, which probably more like more realistically should have been a two-one at most a three-one. Uh, maybe Distan, Distan, man of the match again. Thought he looked solid enough. Again, it's funny to say with a four-one result, and he, he'll give a centre back the man of the match. I put a question out on our on our Facebook page this week uh, as to what went wrong and what you do differently. Um, so I'll go into that in a little bit more. But I mean, my my initial thought. Again, I don't think the substitutes worked, and it's been a few games lately where, whether you know, whether we're chasing the game, and we make these uh, substitutions. I thought Naismith was very unlucky not to be involved at all. Uh, I don't think McGeady offered much when he came on. I don't think Delafeo offered anything. In fact, he gave the ball away, which led to uh, Arsenal's fourth goal. Um, I thought Morales, you know, taking him off you know, for. You know, he took him off, and whoever came on for him offered less. So, whether the fact he was particularly playing uh, playing well or not, I don't think the substitution worked. Uh, Osman, when he came on, again, I don't know whether it was his fault for the goal, but he was the nearest one to Sanya. Maybe he should have been covered if he's if he's if he's on that left midfield position. Then the right back, I'd imagine, was his man. So. Poor substitutions. I mean, you can't always. You, you want substitutions come on, to come on and make a positive impact. There's no way of knowing. You know, it, he, he brought two wingers and a, a predominantly forward-thinking player on. So I just, I don't think it worked. I don't think it was a particularly poor decision from uh, Roberto. I just don't think it worked, and we kind of we were kind of chasing the game and ended up getting sucker punched. And. No, no Wembley for us, unfortunately. Uh, anyway, depressing. It's normally two of us sat here being depressed, and I normally have Mark's views on this, so I'm going to leave the Arsenal game there, and I'm going to come back with hopefully a little bit of Everton news, good Everton news in a sector to kind of brighten things up, and then we'll have a little bit of uh, your thoughts from the social media. News. I'll we'll start off with a positive one, and it's uh, it's about it's still about Saturday's game, but obviously because Jagielka was injured and Osman was on the bench, so it was Leighton Baines who was um, made Everton captain for the day, and I, it was made up for him to be honest. You know, he's just signed a big deal. He, uh, everybody knows how important he is to the club, and to be made captain, even after a, such a you know poor result. I'd imagine he'd be made up and, you know, really proud, really proud moment for him. And it's for us, it's good to see, you know, a, a true Evertonian to be uh, captain. And maybe he might be, you know, he might be in that position in, in the years to come. 
sticking with Baines, and uh, again, I don't, I don't really want to put a downer on things. Uh, maybe this will put an upper on things, actually. He's said that we won't stop attacking. Uh, and we're going to, regardless of the results on Saturday and how we've been caught out against Tottenham, Chelsea, and obviously uh, the shite away, um, we're going to keep, we're going to keep chasing the win, no matter what, even if it means us getting caught out. So, good or bad, again, we've got a little, a little bit of a debate about that again uh, in our social media section just coming up. Another little bit of fallout from the game, and you know, a bit of. Persistence. Uh, Roberto has said that he's going to keep faith in the youth after the uh, after that result, and I, I'm not sure what he's referring to here. I think it's referring to keeping Joel in goal, and I wasn't I, I wasn't aware that that was a, a a youth decision. I wasn't aware that I was trying to get the you know the youngsters because it was only really the only real change was Joel in goal. I think uh, Stones. For Jagielka was enforced. Barkley is in and around the first team anyway, so there's not really any other youngsters. You know, Browning was on the bench, but he didn't get a sniff. So it's an odd one, that. But I, I know you know he, he, he's got this kind of faith that he wants to keep Joel. You know, it, it'll be the same next year, I'd imagine, if we if we get into Europa or the FA Cup. You know, we'll be in the FA Cup and Capital One Cup, and he's going to stick with. Whoever the uh, the second choice goalie is, so much to everyone's frustration, I'd imagine. The other bits of uh, Everton news mainly are transfer stories, transfer speculation, which we thought had died down a bit. Now the transfer window has passed. One that doesn't seem well. There's a couple that don't seem to be going away actually. First one is uh, Holtby has been linked with us again. Apparently, uh, is Everton mad. Father has been in the news again saying he'd love to see him in the Royal Blue of Everton and that he, he actually shed a tear when he saw him line up against uh, Everton for Tottenham. So, uh, with him being on loan of form at the moment, maybe he's not fancy the Tottenham. You know, they, they do always seem to have more midfielders than, you know, most other teams have got squad players, to be fair. So, it could well be that even though he's not long signed for them, he could be on his way. Uh, another one that doesn't seem to go away is uh, Rodwell. So we're being linked with taking him back. Again, this was this will focus in our social media section whether we should uh, we should take him back, whether we forgive him for moving up, moving off to City. It's just one of those, I think, to be honest. Uh, we have. Been, <laughs> I'd normally uh, have a laugh with Mark now about uh, pronouncing this player's name. We are being linked with a winger. From Dynamo, uh, I'm going to do my best at pronouncing this name. Balas Judzak is a winger from. He's Hungarian. He went from PSV to Anzi a few years ago, and then signed to Dynamo for 15 million. But he hasn't really been able to recapture his for the form he had at PSV. So he's looking to move on again, apparently, and it's someone who's rated quite highly. And apparently, he was really good on champ manager as well. So that's always a good sign. Another couple of snippets. Uh, Roberto has come out and said that he's not going to rush Jags back. And with Stones at centre back, I, I, I've got no worry about that. I think if Alcaraz manages to get some kind of fitness back and he's on the bench, you've got Browning on the bench, Alcaraz isn't as bad 
a player as that Liverpool defeat suggests. He was just caught out in that game, as Stones was, you know, they were all kind of caught out of position. So Alcaraz, he's had a couple of games where he's played really well, don't judge him on that one game. Uh, and uh, and his injury kind of reputation. If he gets back to some kind of fitness, gets on the bench, I've got full confidence in Stones while Jags is out. Uh, one other little bit of interesting news this week is uh, Dan Gosling has been uh, caught up in a betting scandal. So obviously since he's left Everton, he went to Newcastle where he thought the grass was greener. Uh, when they were in a worse off position than us, must have been offered more money. Maybe he was... Uh, got some bad advice from an agent or whatever. Uh, he went off there anyway. He seemed to have a bright future at us. Thought his future li- uh, lied elsewhere. And it hasn't really happened for him. He's had injury after injury. Made the little uh, appearance here and there. But now, whether he's bored or, or what, he seems to have uh, got involved in some kind of betting controversy and he's broke the FA rules and he's possibly facing uh, a bit of a spell out another spell out whether you know whether he's fit or not he's going to receive either a hefty fine or an enforced ban so it's uh, hard luck hard luck Dan maybe if you'd have stayed at the Blues things might have uh, you know worked out a little bit better maybe not you know obviously uh, Everton had uh, Billy Kenny a few years ago whose career kind of went the same kind of way. And I think we've had another couple, like Michael Branch. We had uh, Jose Baxter, who he thought his future... Uh, well, he's, he's back on the up now, isn't he? With, uh, he's doing well with Sheffield United, but he thought he, his future would be better away from Everton. He got involved in some kind of drugs or whatever. So, anyway. Hopefully not all doom and gloom. You know, if we can get a couple of these transfers pulled off. I think the, the Balash Judzak one, He's uh, meant to be really, really, uh, really exciting winger. Chips in with goals and assists galore. So uh, we could do with that, especially if Delafeo's on his way back to Barcelona at the end of the season. Probably missed a big glare and news story this week, but as I say, it's just me on my own this week. So Mark normally gets a load of uh, a load of news story uh, news stories to talk about or mix them up one or the other. I never know. We just talk about them anyway. So we leave the news there. And we'll be back. We've got quite a hefty, uh, hefty social media section today with a lot of your thoughts. So be back with that in a sec. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Okay, you heard our links, our Twitter link, our Facebook link. Now we've got a little bit of a social media section. So I've asked three questions this week. The first one was, okay, so still hurting from Saturday. If you were manager for that one game, what would you do differently from start to finish? So start off on Twitter, I've had a couple of responses. The first one was from Everton Soph, uh, sorry, Everton Gale at Soph Everton. Change our system away up away from home and also mix it up. Uh, another one on Twitter was Boo at BuckyBoo33. Defo had Howard in goal for the second half. Uh, Middleton 2010, uh, at Middleton 2010, had Howard in goal from the start. Had Velios on the bench and put him on no later than 60. Uh, and then we go over to Facebook. 
Adam coming you Blues Mullen and Cecil Bosboz. First thing I would do is play Howard. Howard for Robles would have been a good place to start. Uh, Andy Christie, and if there's a packet crisp on the pitch, tackle it. Don't give Arsenal room to breathe. Go out there and make history. Yeah, I mean, I particularly agree with that. That that third goal was just so frustrating, the amount of time Sanya had. I just couldn't believe it. Uh, Colin Swift, other than Howard for Robles, not much to be fair. Thought we did okay until committing a silly foul that changed the game and made us chase, which meant we were always going to get caught on the break. The scoreline flattered Arsenal. Completely agree. Mike Kelly, uh, tell him to shoot. Yeah, we, we just don't seem to see it that much. We, we would, there was a lot of uh, spells in that game where we kind of pitter-patted around the uh, the top, the D on the penalty box and didn't really have uh, time or make enough space to get a shot off. And we just have a go. You know, we saw, we've seen from uh, Barkley, Coleman, even Gareth Barry, scored screamers so far this season. So why is everyone so reluctant to have a go? Dave Bennett, who sits by us at the at the game in the, in the lower Gladys, nothing different. We lost going for the equaliser. Bobby did what Bobby does. If uh, if it was a league game, he wouldn't have done it. But you got to go attacking cup games. Do you though? Could, if we'd have taken them back, uh, taken them back to Goodison, would that have been a result? I mean, I, th- I think it would have been. We, we could have really done that and really taken to the game to them uh, at Goodison, especially the way they're. Uh, their fixtures are piling up. Uh, Paul Powell, Howard in from the start and would have changed Delafeo and Naismith instead of Osman and McGeezy. Uh, the philosophy was good, we just got caught on the break. Uh, ben Williams, play a clear central striker and tighten up the midfield area when only narrow, narrowly behind and pushing for an equaliser. Yeah, I agree, we completely opened up once we went down and obviously we got punished for it. So, a few others saying, play Howard, play Howard and McGeezy. Chris Dunn, I think Roberto's strength is also his weakness. Arsenal were and always are there for the taking. You just need to get in the faces earlier on and play football when they go missing. But as my opening remark says, that is Roberto's weakness. It, it's, if it's possible to say he plays football all the time, sometimes it's horses for courses. Dave Gaffer. The main thing I would have done different would have been to put the strongest team out, which would have meant Howard the starting goal. Unfortunately, uh, Jag was out, so I think Bob, Bobby put the best defence out on the pitch. Uh, the midfield was solid. Lukaku was playing. Could have used McGeady and Delafeo and Osmond in the game. Uh, but we looked like we was going to nick, uh, nick it. One, out, one all. Barkley misses two good opportunities. I think one of them was a good opportunity, one was a good effort, which was a similar effort from outside the box. Um, and then Arsenal got that penalty. So... And yeah, and nice term there, quarters with our pants down. Couple, Colin Eve and Oscar Tomo. Uh, thought the substitution was disastrous and substitution most definitely. Uh, kind of echoing my sentiment before about the substitutions not working. Paul Clark said Peanut should have come off early doors, Howard should have started. Uh, Michael, come on, you blue summers. No, it sounds stupid, but stop playing silly passes. Boils my blood, get the ball forward quicker. Possession counts for nothing. Well, it definitely did count for nothing because we're out of the cup. So, I mean, it was just just disastrous, really. Uh, second question. I didn't put this out as a, uh, as a podcast question, really. It was my kind of thought on the whole thing. Uh, so, it'll start off. We all love the Man U away victory and the way we took the game to Arsenal in the league. Since then, we've lost away at the shite, Chelsea, Spurs, and now Arsenal in the cup. The mentality has changed... 
uh, now. And under Moyes, we went to those gra- uh, grounds hoping not to get beat. Roberto goes one to win. Do you think sometimes we should look for the middle ground if things aren't going well? Then maybe think a point or a draw here would do. Would that make it dull? Stroke more dull. I'm obviously not talking about uh, the attackers as they've been lacking for a while, but fullbacks still bombing on, etc., and gaps opening up. Again, I'm not saying park the bus. Sometimes, though, for example, Chelsea and Tottenham away, a point was definitely there for the taking. I want to emphasise that point. I don't mean we should go and set up like these teams, like Stoke, who come away, come away to and West Ham the other day, who come away to uh, places like Everton and they just park eleven men behind the ball. I'm saying if we go and we attack and we it doesn't look like we're going to get the three points or if players are tiring or whatever, then maybe have the fullbacks drop a little bit deeper. Maybe have one of the one of the central midfielders drop a little bit deeper. Just don't go all out because as soon as those fullbacks bomb on, the centre backs go further apart. They kind of so they've got to cover the centre and the wings. It becomes far too open. So if we're chasing that game instead of being a two-one like it wasn't, uh, you know, it turns into a four-one. It's, well, we're still chasing the game, but instead of trying to get that one goal back, we've got to get three. So, I don't know. I mean, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one to kind of, you know, everybody wants to see this attacking kind of football. But is it attacking football? It's not free-flowing attacking where we're getting, you know, loads of goals and it's getting through balls for the attackers to bomb onto. It's attacking football as in we're keeping possession of the ball and ended up with the ball on the wings and not really any kind of incisive finish to it. So is it that much of a sacrifice? Anyway, a few thoughts for on, on Facebook. Ian Fisher just need to move the ball quicker to front instead it's taking too long and all the oppos- opposition defenders back in place and can cope easily. Sometimes uh, tactics need to change, I think. Happy with Roberto too. Though, yeah, I completely agree that, with that, yeah. I'm, I'm completely happy with Roberto. I think he's so refreshing as a manager. I'm not saying I'm not saying uh, Moyes last year was disastrous. Some of the football we played under Moyes was, was amazing. I just think the overall kind of vibe at the club seems a little bit more positive. Uh, so a few, a few people seem to miss the, the, the bit about... Uh, parking the bus like I say I, I wasn't saying going into the game looking for a point but a few people have uh, come in like John Kerwin if you go into a game looking for a point you're going to come away with nothing play to win or don't play at all Gav agenda the mindset has to always been to win I've ne- never seen a boxer train for a draw Gareth Dunn prepare to come away with nothing Pre- sorry prefer to come away with nothing then go there looking for a point got no problem with going down fighting even if we get hit on the break and lose 4-0 See, I, I can't see that. I can't. You can always go. Uh, you can always go and, and keep. You know that. How can you want to lose four 0 I'm not saying you want to lose four 0 but I'm saying there's got to be some middle ground. You can't completely go all out attack and then end up four 0 You can't. There's only so many times that can happen. <clears throat> Phil Flagger Tyrant. Uh, Chelsea spares away and a shout at home with all goals, uh, all goals from free kicks. Players not reacting quick enough, and that cost us points. Uh, I think we need to speed the, uh, the, the attack up in the final third. 
it's great to have the ball and play football, but if we're not scoring, it's even harder to do once we go 1-0 down and then teams hit us on the counter-attack. Um, <clears throat> Carl, who's over uh, sorry, down in Oz, I personally encourage you. Who cares if we lose at those grounds? If we had two quality strikers experienced like Lukaku, then this method would yield more results. I would change nothing. I love our approach, and I feel if we can go one better next season on the transfer market, then we will be there. It's totally natural to be negative, negative after the defeat, but come on, we're going in the right direction. Get behind the boys positively. Positivity breathes positivity. Yeah, I think we are a little bit down on at the moment, but it's, as you say, it is to be expected. You know, this time last week, we were all dreaming of Wembley, and now we're dreaming at hopefully scraping a top six finish and, you know, getting into Europe via the back door. So it is a little bit negative at the moment. Uh, Pete Richards, yes, go to win by all means, but obviously have to defend first and foremost when we don't have the ball. D- don't forget we won away a very poor Man U side, and a lot of the away performance have been poor, to say the least, i.e. Palace, Cardiff, West Brom and Stoke. There's a lot of others, a lot of others saying um, they'd rather lose with us having a go and then you know parking the bus for a point. Loads of responses to this. Um, another good question from Dave in response to this question was, uh, Dave Murphy, uh, are we taking knives to a gunfight? And it's a good point, isn't it? You know, we're expected to compete with these teams, go away and compete with these teams. And they've just spent hundreds of millions you know, over the past few years. And, well, we are we are competing with these teams. But some, at some point, you know, after the 60th or 70th minute, and they've still got these superstars to bring on, just keep it a little bit tighter. That's that's all I'm saying. You know what I mean? It's it, it's it, is it any good when you're when Baines is up on your left wing and they've got attackers running down the middle completely unmarked. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think we are heading in the right di- direction, and I do admire how bold it is. I just sometimes just be a little bit practical. Uh, a few other comments from uh, James James McGlon. I, I won't read all of this out, but there's a lot of revisionism going on about Moyes, and it's sickening. So we played some sublime football last season, and Martinez just had to continue it. We look better, but we aren't scoring enough goals. Okay, um, Anne Black. Uh, we play some really good passing football, but then we get near the opponent's six-yard box, and it's like, oh shit, here we are. Uh, here we are. What should we do now? And the place goes down completely. I completely, yeah. Completely with you there. I mentioned before. I think Pienaar is one of the most guilty for it. We get the ball in the opposition box, and there's just no real killer instinct there. And it's if, if we had just some, if we had Pienaar from a couple of years ago, who had that killer ball, I think we wouldn't have as much of a problem as we have right now. Unfortunately, Stuart Tag, yeah, was always he's on every week. Yeah, the player has the most touches. Seems to be distant, and he's like Bambi on ice when he gets it. So, I, I, again, I completely agree with you. He he's all right on the ball when it comes to him. I just I don't think he's completely comfortable b- being in that position where he takes the ball from the keeper and then he has to be our playmaker. He's he's, he's generally comfortable on the ball, but as a playmaker, I, I, yeah, as I say, you com- completely agree with you. He's not that player. He's not that player to try and play the ball out. Finish off with two short ones. Jordan Clayford, always go for the win. That's how become a better, more confident team. And Alan Price, the best form of defence is attack every time. Okay. Final question. 
as I alluded to a little bit before, we have today been linked with signing uh, Jack Rodwell again, or signing him back in the summer. So I put the question out there. Uh, we've been linked with Rodwell in the summer, and we got linked with Lescott in the last window. Can we let bygones be bygones, and uh, shall we sign them or not? So we had a couple, just a couple of responses on Twitter uh, from T, at T Conroy Jr. or JNR. Uh, Take Lescott for free, Swerve Rodwell. Uh, and LJ1878, no, go for Holtby from Tottenham instead. So I don't think it's an and-or. You know, if all three of those players were available, who's to say we don't snap them all up? Uh, we had a much bigger response on Facebook for this one, so just whiz through them. Luke Connor, uh, give Rodwell a chance on a short loan, then looking to sign him or letting him go in a much uh, much harsher terms than that, let's just say. Ben Warburton, sign him up. Let's face it, Lescott is a quality defender, and when fit, Rodwell is a good player to have. Chris Harry, definitely not a step backwards, and that seems to quite a popular opinion, actually, uh, go step in the wrong direction. Ian North, it's not like they play for the shite. <laughs> I want what's best for our club, and if they are the best we can do, then sign them. Quite sensible there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the same, it's the same with the Rooney. Obviously, Rooney's in a different league, but a lot of people say they wouldn't have him back because of the way he left. But if it's best for Everton, you know, he surely... It's, you know, it's a small world. If he comes and starts banging goals in... Or, you know, if Rodwell or Lescott come back and you start putting in good performances, how long would it take for them to win you over? Would they ever win you back over? I think you might have your doubts about them, but as soon as they put that blue shirt back on, get behind them no matter what, if they do come back. Gareth Hardy, take them both for the right money. It's a squad game. Uh, Jay Crow, Rodwell, maybe Lescott. Uh, maybe Ross, Rodwell, maybe Lescott can jog on. Johnny Devine, have Lescott over Alcaraz any day. Lescott, that season before he left, was outstanding. Centre-back or left-back, you know, everyone kind of remembers that game where we got hammered. Was it 7-1 at Arsenal? Uh, Arsenal at Goodison. And Lescott just went missing. And it was like he spat his dummy out looking for a move. But we got a very good deal for Lescott, something like £23 million. You know, we kind of held City to ransom over that. We we got we got a good deal. He went. He won a Premiership medal. So, can you begrudge him that? It wasn't the nicest way in which he left. But quality quality players. He's still relatively young as a defender. You know, he's maybe what thirty two. He's got a, a few years left in him. I think he'd be good. Good to have in. Just stands what thirty six next month. Or 37 next month, whatever, whatever he is, he's not getting any younger. So I think he'd be a good addition to the squad. Um, Matthew Vickery, I'd take him back if, if, with it, two exclamation marks, if he, if he stays fit. Rodwell, McCarthy, and Barkley sounds class. Three young talent that can go on to do great things at Everton. And unless Scott is not, not hiding the fact that him and Jags were class and very solid, bring them both back. Again, very sensible. Um, you know, that, that partnership, it was great. And Lescott, it, again, could be on the verge of the, of the England squad if he gets back to any kind of form. Michael Perryman, both no to Rodwell and Lescott. Rodwell is just injury prone and we, we've had, had enough of those and Lescott is a uh, twat. <laughs> Jay Pritch, no and no. Dave Murphy, bollocks to both of them, they've gone next chapter. 
Dan Emson, who's listening over in the States. If they're better than what we have and the price is right, then yes, absolutely. Barry Dempsey, neither. Let's go attitude was shite. Uh, with Gibson, McCarthy, Barry, Osman and Barkley all possibly available next season, where does Roswell, uh, Roswell fit in? Os- Osman isn't getting any younger either, is he? I think he, you know, as a, as a squad player, on form. I, see, I, I never thought he was outstanding anyway. I, I had my question marks out uh, over him. I don't think he was, for the type of player he was, he, he wasn't committed enough. He, he, he was neither... A, a complete playmaker or a complete ball winner. So, I, I don't know, but he had something. So, <clears throat> a few others saying they take Lescott, Peter Quayle take Lescott because this stand's not any younger. Sam Rodswell, Paul Cannell, Mike Doyle can all stand there and say, uh, no, they thought they were better than us, but you could argue with Lescott, it was a decent move as he got a Premier League medal out of it. But Rodwell's done nothing. If they want to come back, they've got to buy into what Martinez is trying to do. Paul Edwards, not. Stefan Owen, no way. Andrew Keegan, not. John Billing, backward step. Got good money for them. Yeah, both deals. We've got what, 15 million for uh, Rodwell as well as the 23 million for Lescott. Great deals. Um, <clears throat> Tony McCarthy, Lescott, too old. Bring Rodgers back for 4 mil. Colin Evans, no. Carl Chunk, Jenkins, nope. Sick notes, the pair of them. Simon Griffin, you sign the best available to you and the price you can afford, so that's probably a no to both. Lescott can do one. Rodders may prove to be past his injury worries and be a good buy, but I doubt it. Okay. Kenny Daly, we only want players that will improve the squad and not bring players back that they were willing to sell, surely. It takes a special player to leave and make a return that everyone agrees on, and those two don't fall into that category. I don't think we sold them because they weren't good enough for the squad, though, Kenny. I thought, you know, we sold them because we got a good price for them. And they wanted to go on and uh, be at, you know, a City, who at the time were looking to throw bags of money at them and challenge for the title. So, I mean, it's it's natural for players' heads to be turned, unfortunately, in today's game. Uh, Michael, Kevin Morales, Hamilton... Rodwell still has potential, and Lescott is not too old yet. I'll be happy with either, although obviously depending on transfer fee wages. Lescott is available for free, so be up for that. Must stress, however, that strikers should be the priority in the summer. I think we need at least two, as we only ha- really have Kone come next season. Uh, final one. Sorry, two, po- uh, two, two short ones. Paul Davies, yes, take them both. Uh, and Gary David Edge, sign them both. And now, final one. Neil Money, no, go for Remy and Corker. I reckon they would be decent for us. So, a lot of split opinion, as always, with Blues as it seems. Uh, it seems like everything's up for debate at the moment. Like, I think, you know, we everyone seems to think that we're on the kind of right track going forward a little bit. And obviously, everyone's upset about the, um, about the defeat at the weekend. But, you know, hopefully... We can get into the summer, and I, I think if we get a couple of those faces like those, Rodwell, Lescott, we had Carlos Barry on a permanent deal, and we bring in a striker, that'll be good business for us. We've got Gibson coming back. Who knows if Coney's going to be good? We'll have Stones coming in through a, you know an extra year, Barkley an extra year stronger. I think it looks good for next year. I'm going to start being positive and optimistic again, and uh, just so we can uh, get our 
get it slapped out of us again at the weekend, which uh, we'll have a little look ahead at Cardiff after this little short break. I am Ian Snowden, and you're listening to the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. Okay, it's time for our preview to the game coming up at the weekend, which is, of course, Cardiff's visit to Goodison Park. Back to a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. I'd like to say welcome to our YouTube listeners. Having a little look at uh, Cardiff. On the back of a, a good result at the weekend, they beat Fulham 3 1. They had two goals from Corker and a bit of a spawny one from Campbell, where it just kind of ricocheted in off them. But nonetheless, uh, a good result. They've had a little bit of a, uh, before that, a little bit of a poor run of form. 1-0 uh, down to Tottenham, 4-0 home defeat to uh, to Hull. We ob- obviously, our old mate Jelovic got a couple there. Uh, they, before that, they went out of the cup, uh, lost 2-1 at home to Wigan. And then a draw against Villa and Swansea beat them 3-0. So, even after, um, you know, since Solskjaer's come in, they didn't really have that. You know, a sustained pickup of form. I think they got uh, the odd win here and there, but you know, it's not. It's not. It's still been a pretty much all doom and gloom for them. Sorry, that that goal at the weekend wasn't a spawny one of Campbell. It went in off Reeta in the end, so it went down as an own goal. Um, the return fixture when we went down there, I think it was Roberto's third proper game in charge, and we were just. It was that very frustrating period where we started off with three three draws. Uh, obviously, away to Norwich, you know, and the West Brom at home, and then the away visit, uh, away visit to Cardiff, and nil nil, and it was just before we can. It was like we were still doing the passing, but there was no real incisive play before that. So we were wondering where we were going to go from there, really. And as it was, nil nil. We need something better this time round. I, I cannot say that, emphasise that highly enough. You know, we said the game at the weekend uh, down at Arsenal was our biggest game of the season. How we bounce back from this, I think this is going to be the biggest game of the season because it, it's the start of a few games which are very, very winnable. You know, I think we've got Swansea coming up. I think we've got Sunderland coming up. We're, if we're going to end up in Europe I think Champions League is going to be too far at the moment but to have a good top six finish obviously United are putting a, a string of results together we, we need to we, we need to we need to bounce back play our strongest lineup. and again I'm not bothered if we turn, team, turn them over I'd love to I'd love to knock, you know, knock five or six past them but we just need to win we need to carry on winning now to the end of the season. No more might-have-beens, no more playing against good teams and not getting the results. We need to just go out there and grind out results. We need everyone to be big, to be strong. Uh, and I think Lukaku's got a key part to play in this running. Looking at uh, Cardiff's lineup, you know they've got a few players who we've been linked with. Uh, I think Mark normally does is marks max one to watch i think 
just as uh, Zaha is one to watch. Maybe he's on loan now and there because he was <laughs> he was uh, meant to be uh, doing things he shouldn't be doing with David Moyes' daughter. I can't confirm that either way, obviously, and I wouldn't like to uh, insinuate that it's actually true or not. But uh, he's, he's on loan at Cardiff. He looks like a tricky player. We were linked with him. Uh, so he's going to be my Mark Max one to watch. Uh, I won't do a score prediction, but I, I will say that I am hoping there's just going to be... Uh, I, I can't see it. I can't see it, to be honest. I mean, Roberto's all happy and smiley, but we've heard that he's got a real ruthless streak. So I'm hoping he doesn't let players like mope around and feel sorry for themselves. And every one of those players should be looking to bounce back. We had a little talk last week about the atmosphere at Goodison. And um, Big Nev of all people put a tweet out this week as uh, how big a part the crowd will have to play in uh, in our running the end of the season and where we're going to finish if we can push us on into Europe. And I, I completely agree, but I've got a feeling that the crowd's going to be really, really a little bit like like a funeral this week because of because of like the, the, the kind of hope that's kind of gone. I think it, the same kind of thing happened last year when when we went out against uh, Wigan. It just knocked us for six. So, you know, we can go back and we can bounce back and. I think the best thing we can do is just start off with an early goal and really get the crowd behind. A, a lot of people have been uh, criticising, saying that we uh, there's only really an atmosphere when we score at the moment. And again, I agree, because I think everybody's just so tense that it, it needs that to kind of lighten the load a little bit. So if we start off attacking, you know, if we can manage to nab an early goal, get the crowd back on side... Uh, then hopefully, you know, the, the Arsenal game will be uh, just a memory and we can just push on and have a good, strong finish. Obviously, Howard's a set to starting goal, barring any injuries. We've heard this week that Jags isn't going to be rushed back, so I think he's going to stick with Stones and the usual um, the usual back four uh, other than that. We'll still see uh, Gareth Barry and James McCarthy. I think we will still see Morales. And then is we'll still we'll still see Lukaku up top. Then's where where it gets a little bit tricky. You know, you're looking. Whether, will Delafeo come in? Will McGeady come in? Will Pienaar keep his uh, place? Will Osman come in? Will Barkley keep his place? It's it's one of those. I think Barkley will keep his place, but I think Osman will possibly come in for Pienaar. So uh, no no place in the starting lineup again for Delafeo. I think. In order to get the best impact out of Delafeo, particularly, I think he's going to need more than 10 minutes. I think putting him on and expecting him to come on and change a game, he seems to need a little bit of time to find his feet, you know, to find his range, find the pace of the game a little bit. So you've got to either start him or put him on with at least half an hour. So, uh, you know, if we are looking for some kind of inspiration, I don't think Roberto should be leaving it until the 80th minute. You know, I, I, as we've discussed, I don't think the substitutes have worked. I think that's more against teams where we're not expected to get anything. So Tottenham, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal. I don't think the substitutions have worked in those games. But against the game, uh, against the teams where we are expected to win, like uh, like the West Ham game and Villa, those substitutions have worked well. Obviously, Lukaku came on last week, uh, sorry, the week before, and got the winner. Uh, the Villa game, Naismith came on, uh, got got a goal within about you know two minutes, and then won the penalty, which won us the game. So 
you know, I don't want to be too harsh on Roberto and his, and his substitutions, uh, but I think for the, with the likes of you know seeing impact from Delafeo, even McGeezy, I think they just those type of players. You know, he meant to come on and you know read, read uh, have a reading for the pace of the game and then make an immediate impact. I think it's just asking too much. But I'm going into this pos- uh, positive, and I'm hoping this could be the one that could kick on and start turning our season back around because we, we've just been a little bit up and down and the, the down points at the moment are just really lingering in the memory too much and it really starting to hurt and it hurt our progress this season. So as I said before, we've got a good string of fixtures together. Let's kick on. Let's get behind the boys and let's start off this period of the season with another three points all fresh again now and let's get back behind Bobby and the boys. Obviously, it's normally me and Mark, so you know, I think I've witted on enough, uh, nearly a full hour on my own today. So I'm going to leave it there for this week. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, as always. Uh, thanks to our YouTube listeners. And if you, uh, if you haven't checked us out, you can catch the whole show on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you just search, not bitter, just better. Thanks, as always, to our normal subscribers. Just do us a favour. Keep spreading the word for us. You know, if you've you got a couple of blues... And I know we, we, we have like listeners uh, listeners abroad. We've got some listeners in Australia and America. You know, it's difficult for you to have that kind of banter at a game. So hopefully we can provide that for you. You know, we've had people who, uh, including our mate Carl, who's up down in Oz, send your thoughts in, do a, a voice recording. If you've got an iPhone, you can just do a voice recording and email it straight to us. It's not bitter, just better at outlook.com. So feel free. Um, so having two scousers go on all the time and not being able to stand half the things that they're going on about. Yeah, have your say as well. We've passed the 8,000 mark on Facebook this week as well, so I'd like to thank everyone for everybody's contribution there, for every share, every like, every comment that you have. You know, sometimes we don't always get things right, we make a few mistakes and people jump on it, but the majority of feedback on our Facebook, you know, we, we do tend to be a little bit kind of, in the middle, we don't go. To, we're not anti Ken Wright, or we, we, you know, we don't jump down a lot of players' throats uh, or get on players' backs when the uh, when they have one bad performance. You know, we do try and be fair about stuff, and I think people tend to appreciate that. So thank you, and keep on listening. Hopefully, Mark back next week because my bloody throat's killing, and hopefully uh, it will be killing on Saturday for all the right reasons after we uh, stuff Cardiff. Catch you all next week, Blues. Have a good one.